Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Welcome everybody We're very much happy that you have chosen to join us this morning that you have made as part of your day, and hopefully every day, uh, listening to some philosophy, reading some philosophy, chanting the holy names of the Lord, and that way you can help yourself overcome all the obstacles to living a peaceful, happy life in this material world. We're going to be reading a text this morning from the Srimad Bhagavatam, So those of you who have your copy of Srimad Bhagavatam close at hand will continue reading in the first canto of the Bhagavatam, chapter 1, text number 17. So we're going to be talking about uh, how how to get through this material world and the qualities that it has and the qualities that are of the spiritual world and the teachers that we have both in our spiritual lives and in our material lives. So that's kind of to give you a little bit of a a hint about what our discourse this morning is going to be about. I am Rupa Nugadas, disciple of Srila Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj, who is a disciple of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. So, as we always do, we begin by an invocation, just as the ancient Greeks did before they would put on one of their plays, they would invoke the muse, the goddesses who were responsible for giving success in all kinds of artistic and dramatic endeavors. Except this morning, we're not invoking the demigods, the muse, but rather we're invoking the blessings of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Sri Krishna, and his, his constant consort, Srimati Radharani. So, the invocation then. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari 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 Jaya Gopi Janavallava Girivaradhari Gopi Janavallava Girivaradhari Gopi Janavallava Girivaradhari Jaya Gopi Janavallava Girivaradhari Yashura Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashura Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tira Bhanachari Jamuna 
Tiravanachari Jayaradhamarava Gunjabihari Jayaradhamarava Gunjabihari Jayaradhamarava Gunjabihari Jayaradhamarava
Is that a different verse on the board? Let's see, where are we? Srimad Bhagavatam. We have a comment here that there's a different verse written on the board today. And I think I see my mistake. I have chanted text number 16. So, let's go over to the next page. Now that we've chanted text number... Well, I guess as long as we've chanted number 16, why don't we read the translation? This is the one that was uh, a class given yesterday by uh, Prema Tarupavu. And so I'll, I'll read this translation that he spoke on yesterday. Who is there desiring deliverance from the vices of the age of quarrel, who is not willing to hear the virtuous glories of the Lord? Thank you very much, Prabhu, for correcting us on that. And this is text number 17. Tasya karmanyodharani parigitani surabhi Bruhina Sradadadnanam Lilaya Dandata Kala Tasya Karmanyudarani Parigitani Surabi Bruhina Shadarananam Lilaya Dhadhata Kala Chant for me, please. Tasya Kamanyudarani Parigitani Suribi Ruhina Sadarananam Lilaya Dhadhata Kala Tasya Kamanyudarani Parigitani Suribi Ruhina Sharananam Lilaya Dharata Kala Very good, thank you, gentlemen. Word for word translations. Tasya his karmani transcendental acts udarani magnanimous parigitani broadcast suribi by the great souls bruhi please speak na unto us 
Sharadanam ready to receive with respect. Lilaya that should be Lilaya pastimes. Darhata Advented Kala Incarnations. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. His transcendental acts are magnificent and gracious. Who are we talking about here? Sam. Krishna. Very good. His acts, transcendental acts, are magnificent and gracious, and great learned sages like Narada sing of them. Please, therefore, speak to us who are eager to hear about the adventures he performs in his various incarnations. So you might remember that this is the this is uh, words that are being spoken right at the beginning of a of a great sacrifice many thousands of years ago, which was to this sacrifice was to last for one thousand years into the age of Kali. And it was uh, it was it was initiated and performed by uh, quite a large number of sages who who came together after the disappearance of Maharaj Parikshit from the planet, after he had heard the Srimad Bhagavatam spoken to him by Sri Shukadev Goswami, and now for this this uh, gathering of great sages, there is uh, one devotee who is particularly knowledgeable, having heard uh, submissively from his father, and that is a person known as Sutta Goswami, son of Romaharshan Maharaj, uh, who was killed by what person? By Lord Sri Balaram. And what was the weapon of choice? A, a little piece of grass. Touched him with a piece of grass. And, of course, Lord Balaram, he, he doesn't even need a piece of grass. He is as powerful as Krishna being Krishna's first expansion. And so uh, anything that Krishna can do, Balaram can do. But there are certain things that Krishna does that Balaram does not do. And, and so that's the differentiation that is made between the two. But we worship both as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So we have a purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. The personality of Godhead is never inactive, as some less intelligent persons suggest. His works are magnificent and magnanimous. His creations, both material and spiritual, are all wonderful and contain all variegatedness. They are described nicely by such liberated souls as Srila Narada, Vyasa, Valmiki, Devala, Asita, Madhva, Sri Chaitanya, Ramanuja, Vishnu Swami, Nimbarka, Sridhar, Vishwanath, Baladev, Bhaktivinod, and Siddhanta uh, Saraswati, and many other learned and self-realized souls. So, Srila Prabhupada has established here uh, the uh, a line of, of not, not necessarily a disciplined succession, but a, a Great number of personalities, if you're familiar with the Vedic literatures, you will recognize all of these names as being very powerful, very knowledgeable personalities. 
eternally liberated. These creations, both material and spiritual, are full of opulence, beauty, and knowledge. But the spiritual realm is more magnificent due to its being full of knowledge, bliss, and eternity. The material creations are manifested for some time as perverted shadows of the spiritual kingdom and can be likened to cinemas. They attract people of less intelligent caliber who are attracted by false things. Such foolish men have no knowledge of the reality and they take it for granted that the false material manifestation is the all in all. But more intelligent men, guided by sages like Vyasa and Narada, know that the eternal kingdom of God is more delightful, larger, and eternally full of bliss and knowledge. Those who are not conversant with the activities of the Lord and His transcendental realm are sometimes favored by the Lord in His adventures as incarnations wherein He displays the eternal bliss of his association in the transcendental realm. By such activities, he attracts the conditioned souls of the material world. Some of these conditioned souls are engaged in the false enjoyment of material senses, and others in simply negating their real life in the, in the spiritual world. These less intelligent persons are known as karmis or fruity workers, and Ghanis are dry mental speculators. But above these two classes of men is the transcendentalist known as Sattvata, or the devotee who is busy neither with rampant material activity nor with material speculation. He is engaged in the positive service of the Lord, and thereby he derives the highest spiritual benefit unknown to the karmis and ganis. As the supreme controller of both the material and spiritual worlds, the Lord has different incarnations of unlimited categories. Incarnations like Brahma, Rudra, Manu, Pritu, and Vyasa are his material qualitative incarnations but his incarnations like Rama, Narasinga, Baraha, Bhamana are his transcendental incarnations. Lord Sri Krishna is the fountainhead of all incarnations, and he is therefore the cause of all causes. End of purport. That was quite a long purport by Srila Prabhupada. Om Jnana Timinandasya Jnana Salakaya Chakshun Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namah Shri Chaitanya Mravishtam Stavitam Jena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamaya Dadati Swavarantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Jutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavams Cha Shri Rupam Sagadattam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Shri Dvaita Sadvaita Savadutta Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitams Cha he Krishna Karanasando Dinabando Jagatpate 
Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Brindamadeshwadi Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hadi Priye Vanchakalpatarubhyas Chakripas Nubhya Evacham Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namah Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Srivas Hari Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Hare Hare Gantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Nama Om Vishnu Badaya Krishna Pastaya Bhutale Srimate Tamal Krishna Gosamaniti Namane So every, everywhere, everywhere we touch the Srimad Bhagavatam, there are lessons to be learned. There are beautiful words describing the personality of, of the Supreme Lord and also telling about the activities of his devotees, such as these sages who are gathered together at Naimisharanya Forest, also known as the hub of the entire universe. So uh, we, we have to learn the difference between the spiritual and the material worlds, and there are significant differences. So to gain knowledge of this material world, we recognize that it is full of opulence, beauty, and knowledge, just as is stated in this uh, verse today, full of opulence, beauty, and knowledge. We also know that there are a lot of bad things, but if we want to focus on the good, we can do that. And if we want to focus on the bad, we can also do that. But when we think about the beauty of this world, if, you, if you've never traveled in, in, a, in an airplane, in a jet plane, uh, high above the surface of the earth, uh, you you probably have not seen as much as there is to be seen, even if you have. Not many people have seen all the glories and wonders of this material world. And this is just one tiny planet and one small universe in the material creation of the Supreme Lord. And he's, he's put all of this together just for our benefit. Those of us who wanted to dabble in the material energy of the Lord instead of remaining in the spiritual world. We became a little bit intrigued and and knowing how wonderful the spiritual world is, somehow or other we became attracted to come into this material world. And and uh, part of our motivation might have been that we no longer want to be under the control of someone else. We want to be the lords of everything that we see around us. We want to be the possessors, the owners and we want to control all of the activities for our benefit, for our own selfish benefit. So we see that this world is, is, has got all the, the beauty, and it's got all of the opulence. It's got whatever facilities we need for becoming somewhat happy in this material world. And there are many, many different aspects of this material world that uh, that hundreds and thousands and perhaps even millions of people have spent their lifetime studying, trying to figure out what it is that makes everything work. What is the original spark that has caused this universe to come into being? And so Krishna, because these are their desires, 
And because uh, they, he, they, they, uh, they, they want to know as much as they can about their surroundings, Krishna gives them the intelligence and he gives them the, the knowledge. He makes the knowledge available to them. And, and so we, we find, especially in the Western society, but also now more in the Eastern society as well, that there are many schools that have been set up to teach people, teach young people especially, how to take their place in this material world. So we have all the ingredients for a comfortable and peaceful life. Everything that we could wish for is coming from the earth, from the water, from the air. And if we have, if we have access to all of these ingredients uh, that are coming from these three sources, uh, then we can, we can live very peacefully. Or we can complicate things. And so the purpose, it seems, of today's educational institutions is to make things very complex because they they understand that if if they're going to make a livelihood themselves as teachers and instructors, then they have to have a continuous flow of students coming into their institutions. And as soon as they get one one set of students trained, they will leave and try to take their place in the in this industrial society that we we find ourselves in. And others are coming on, and they're going to be in the same position. So there there is there is it is required that there is knowledge that that, that can be handed down if we want to live a very simple, peaceful life. Then we have to look around us and find others who are already living that kind of life. And I'm thinking in particular about a group of persons, two groups of persons that I've had some personal experience with. That is the Mennonites and the Amish. And we look at their lifestyles and even though they're being affected as they must be by this industrial, commercial, military society that we all find ourselves in, still... They they have a type of knowledge of the earth that they hand down from generation to generation. And they teach their children, as I understand it, only through about what we consider to be the eighth grade. And in that period of time, they can give them all of the, the book knowledge that they need to get through this material world in the way that their forebears have done for many, many generations. So, uh, not only does Krishna give us the opportunity to, to have this very simple form of knowledge that the Mennonites and the Amish possess, and which many people throughout the world possessed 150 years ago, uh, uh, they, uh, this, this kind of knowledge is very simple. But even though there is that kind of knowledge, there's also the knowledge for and the ingredients for manufacturing. And so we understand that back in the early 1800s, uh, the world came, began undergoing a, a transformation, and we entered what could be considered the industrial age. So there was, there was all kinds of, of mechanized equipment to make things, make uh, uh, different kinds of things that people had heretofore made for themselves, or they had no need for some of those things that were being created in the big factories. I was watching a, a, a program on uh, chan- one of the local channels here, Channel 8.4. Uh, it has four, uh, Channel 8 has now four different uh, uh, 
sub-channels, I guess we could say, uh, in which they present different kinds of things. And so this number 4, 8.4, uh, is called Quest. And in it, uh, uh, sometimes I like to spend a little time looking at some of the modern marvels, as they call them. And it was it was showing yesterday a, a, a program about uh, how pizzas are made. Pizza dough is made. And, you know, this pizza dough has been around for a long, long time, long before machinery was made. But uh, since there is now an international market for certain products, then uh, that means that uh, a lot of that product has to be made if it's going to satisfy the market and if people are going to get wealthy making that product. So something as simple as making pizza dough and putting the sauce on and putting the other ingredients on it has become a manufactured thing. So that no longer do you have to, to go through the process of kneading your dough and rolling it out into a nice flat uh, surface on which to put all of those ingredients. Uh, you, just, you just go down to the, to the store and you can buy it because everyone is so busy nowadays and usually every household is at least two wage earners in it required for maintaining a style of a, a lifestyle that is better than their parents had and so there's no time for a lot of people to to go into the kitchen and start with a raw ingredients and turn it into a meal in a very short time and because they have lost those skills and they are forced to take the money, the hard-earned money that they now have in their possession and go down to the store and buy food that has been prepared in a manufacturing facility. So we've come a long way from uh, growing up as children, watching our fathers, grandfathers plant seeds in the soil and fertilize the soil with, with uh, natural ingredients like cow manure, which is, which is available, was available in practically every kind of farming situation that uh, was present up until about 150 years ago. Now it's, a, it's changed. Even the farming itself has changed now so that they're using these natural ingredients uh, to to create things now that were never possible before. And so in, instead of farming 20 acres as a farmer used to do to provide all of his family's needs, everything from the, from the clothing they wore to the food they ate to the tools they used, uh, now you, you, it, it is necessary then if you want to be competitive in a global market, then you have to learn to accept very, very small a percentage of profit on what you make. And it requires huge equipment. So instead of having a, a, a one oxen pulling a plow, we now have tractors that cost over $100,000 that have air-conditioned cabs with all kinds of electronic gadgets inside. They have two big wheels at each side of, of the tractor. In other words, eight wheels and all to pull the huge machinery that is now required for farming a thousand acres or more. And so instead of instead of taking care of an animal and having that animal trained so that that animal can help take care of your family, 
you now have to go into debt and buy a huge piece of machinery that you can have no kind of personal relationship as you can with an ox or a cow to, that that gives milk. So uh, this modern society that we're in now, people have to learn to tolerate bosses and associates who are generally quite self-centered. And if you if you're young enough, or if, if you've lived in a, in a in such a nice environment that you've never had to deal with these kinds of persons, uh, kudos to you. I hope that you are able. Those of you who have grown up in that kind of environment, if you still have it possible to live and within a community of really nice people, people who care about you and love you, uh, and uh, I hope that you never have to go out and face the kind of people uh, that uh, are created by the uh, the mechanized industrial society that we have now. So people have become very much interested in their nuclear family. That means their their husband, wife, son, daughter, like that. And there's no longer in many parts of the world, especially in an, in an industrially advanced society, there's no longer the possibility of having a village of like-minded people, people who are relatives, uh, to help look after one's own family. And so one has to pay money for every kind of care that he gets for his family, whether it's medical care or whether it's training for his children, schooling for his children. Every, everything has to be done and paid for uh, by, to someone else who doesn't really know your family so much and doesn't really care so much, but this is their job. So they have to put on a, a good act of showing that they're really concerned about you and your family and they're hoping that they can get your kids ready to enter into an industrial society sooner or later. So this is one of the disadvantages then that we see uh, from uh, coming to, into a society in which people exploit they exploit each other. They exploit the natural society of the natural environment in which they're living. And if this environment won't produce everything they need, they're willing to send all kinds of manufacturing, not manufacturing, but equipment out into the uh, land and into the landscape. <clears throat> For those of you keeping up with the current news, our current uh, administration of, of this country that we live in, the United States, uh, they're they're now rescinding some of the um, some of the lands, the public lands that were set aside to remain very pure and pristine, and they are now allowing manufacturing companies to bid on the use of these lands for drilling for uh, energy for both oil and natural gas and also for mining for all the ingredients that are used in manufacturing today, all, all the way from something as simple as copper and iron ore uh, to uh, uh, radioactive ingredients, uranium, and, and different kinds of things like that that are used in, a, in, a, in a, uh, an industrial society such as we have now. So the, uh, the, they, we have to deal then with constant change in, in, uh, in this nature that we're in, this material world that we're in, including our own physical bodies. And, and they're probably the most obvious 
in, uh, uh, products of this material, these material ingredients, these bodies that we have, they're made of stuff that come from the dirt. And we know that they're changing throughout in our, our entire lifetimes. And Matrasparsis Tukunti Ashitoshna Sukudukada Agama Paino Nityas Tams Titikshashvabharata. So we see that as as our bodies change from the time that we're babies, and, and of course we don't pay any attention to our own bodies changing so much until maybe we start getting into our into our more advanced years. But we see that in our in our children and our grandchildren, watching their bodies change from time to time, and with it, watching their knowledge of this material world increase as well. Learning to get along with people by hook or crook, either by pleasant means or by unpleasant means. So that's kind of the nature of this material world. But then there's another world that we need to learn about. We have to become familiar with the nature and the activities that are present in the spiritual world. And this is a place where the ingredients are not subject to change and decay as they are in this world. Whereas our bodies start out being youthful and and if we're lucky, they're healthy for a great portion of our lives. And we can do all kinds of things with our bodies to give us pleasure. And we depend on the bodies of others. But we also see in the bodies of others particularly, and sometimes we, we gather the knowledge to see it in our own bodies, that the changes are coming. And as they, as we near the end of our stay in this material world, these bodies become less and less attractive. They become less and less useful to us for accomplishing any kind of work in this world. And we can no longer do the kinds of activities that we once performed, such as taking care of the younger children and, and watching them grow up to be teenagers and get in, getting into uh, into the upper echelons of the in, of the educational system. Um, so these are things that are subject to change and decay, and and they're not present in the spiritual world. Uh, so that so that we no longer have to worry about our bodies becoming old and worthless in the spiritual world, because that just doesn't happen. Although we see that Krishna has many pastimes when he when he advents himself into this material world, and he shows us what uh, he gives us a taste of what going what goes on in the spiritual world. So for those who want to treat Krishna as their little child, Krishna can take that form, and 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 but he is not forced to take the form of a child that will grow into up, grow up and, and, and eventually get into old age and eventually give up his body. No, that's not the way it is. Krishna showed in this material world that he never, even though he was a hundred years in, in present on this planet, he still had the body that looked like a young kid, a young 15, 16-year-old boy. Navayovanam, ageless, ageless, always eternally youthful. That's what Krishna is. And so we, we learn about these things, and we learn that the knowledge that we possess in the spiritual world is, is uh, for strictly for simple living, 
that the, the cowherd boys and the cowherd girls of the spiritual world, especially the village of Goloka Vrindavan, in which Krishna uh, he lives eternally and carries on his pastimes, those individuals then, they don't have to possess knowledge of, of advanced mathematics, advanced engineering, advanced physics. They don't have to have that kind of knowledge in the spiritual world because they, they're complete in their knowledge. They have all that they need to know about. They don't have to learn these things. It's simply there eternally. And so Krishna gives the people of that realm, the spiritual realm, then the ability to know. And, and so what do they do with the knowledge that they have? They raise cows. They farm the land. They do very simple things, and they have pure water to drink. They don't have to worry about these uh, these very fancy filtration systems that take out salt from the water or take out, uh, the, you know, the uh, um, herbicides and pesticides that are present in all of our lakes around here. And they're, they're coming right off the land. People use different kinds of, of, of herbicides on their land uh, that have come into some disrepute here in recent years. Um, and so what, what happens when, whenever it rains, it washes all the residue, whatever residue is there, it washes it off down into the streams, into the ponds, the lakes, and eventually into the rivers that go to the oceans. So this is the process in the material world, but in the spiritual world, no, no problem with waste, waste products. No problem with um, the waste products of, of industrial society. No problems of bodily waste from persons and animals in the cities as we have in our present time in this world. And in, 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 that, in that realm, then, they possess that kind of knowledge. And they also serve a master who really cares about them. And provides for all their necessities. Now, one can't imagine having a person who is so powerful that he controls every aspect of life in the spiritual world and still is a very personable sort of fellow. And that's the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Krishna. He is always a person, even though some think that he is... He's uh, actually in, uh, invented himself into this material world, into a fleshly body. As the Christians sometimes say that Jesus Christ is done, he's, he's actually God himself, they say. But in, when he comes into this world, he accepts a, a body that's made of dirt, comes from the earth. But we know that Krishna is not that way. His devotee may do that. He, he, if Krishna asks his devotee to come like he asks Srila Prabhupada to come and help deliver the fallen souls of Kali Yuga, uh, Prabhupada, would, he came into this world and accepted a material body. But his body, as it has been reported a number of, of, of occasions by his early disciples especially, uh, they, he was amazing. It's not ordinary for a person to be walking down the street with his body glowing. But it was it was commonplace for Srila Prabhupada or for him to move across the surface of the earth as though he were his feet were not even touching the earth. And so even though he has a material body, Krishna has granted him the kind of uh, the kinds of of qualities, the kinds of, of, of potentials 
to do things that ordinary persons cannot do. But uh, because we are, are disciples, devotees of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then we also have those possibilities as our own if we can make our spiritual advancement so that we stop being uh, concerned about our own welfare, the welfare of our immediate family, and start being concerned about the welfare of other people in this society so that we can give them knowledge. So these are the kinds of things that a person does who comes from the spiritual world for the purpose of engaging those fallen souls like ourselves in the activities that will help us get to the point of chanting the holy names of the Lord incessantly. So uh, we possess, we have a a master who really cares. And then in the spiritual world, uh, we are associated with non-envious persons. And that's perhaps one of the most attractive features of the spiritual world, that there's no fault to be found in those persons. So in order to re-enter that world, we ourselves have to become faultless. Now, there are some who say that it, th- there's only been one perfect person in the world, one person without fault, and that was Jesus Christ. And we accept Jesus Christ as being a very pure-hearted representative of the Supreme Lord. But we also know that even at this present time, there are many persons who are walking the earth as pure representatives of the Supreme Lord. And they are the ones who have come into this world and have, have chosen to help a great personality like His, His divine grace uh, spread this knowledge of Krishna consciousness all over this world. And so, uh, not to have to associate with persons who are envious and persons who are simply trying to ravage the earth uh, to produce something for their own enjoyment, their own pleasure, their own enrichment. Uh, we we find that in the association of the devotees of the Supreme Lord, there are persons who, maybe there are some minor faults that are still present there. When we come into contact with devotees, we're not very pure-hearted. And so the, the faults are there. And if a person wants to concentrate on those faults that are present in other people around them, there there's certainly lots of that to be found. But for one who wants to uh, gain the uh, the position of being faultless or being as pure-hearted as one can be in this material world, then it requires that he come into con- put himself into contact with a, a person who is a pure representative of the Supreme Lord. So we understand that there are differences in teachers then. Some teachers then... Uh, uh, rec- recognize that there's motivation for instructing others, and that motivation in this material world is simply personal aggrandizement or personal satisfaction or trying to make oneself and one fam- one's family members as happy as possible at the expense of whatever is necessary, whether it be taking ingredients from the earth without returning anything to the earth, or whether it be working for someone who is advanced in his knowledge of, of, of the material world, knowledge that Krishna has bestowed on that person, but he doesn't recognize the source of that knowledge that he got. So we see in this world also that there are different levels in happiness 
So at, uh, depending on the type of teacher that you have, you can move either into a very happy state of being or you can to move, you can move into one of suffering such as most people of this world do because they're, they're simply not persons who are able to teach uh, the kind of knowledge that would produce happiness and, and a productive way of life that doesn't cause harm to the world that we're living in. There are teachers who impart knowledge simply for making money or making themselves happy. But uh, there, are, there are generally, with that kind of person, there are temporary relationships. In other words, when one goes to a, a school uh, in this country, uh, starting into an elementary school, you don't necessarily have a lifetime of friendship with the persons who become your teachers. You move on into high school, and then you move into college, and quite often you will forget about most of those persons that were your teachers. Or if you have some memory of them that was pleasant, maybe that's something you carry with you throughout your life. But generally speaking, those persons who are given the responsibility for training us in our youth and then moving on into adulthood and college, those persons really don't intend to have a lasting connection with us as students. And after we leave the college, the university, whatever we go to, with trade school, or just getting out of high school perhaps, uh, we we no longer seek out the association of those persons. This is generally the case, that we leave the teachers behind and our teachers leave us behind. And they allow us to, to leave their association. But with, in, in, the, in the spiritual association that we have with other devotees of the Lord, uh, we have a, that eternal relationship. So every person that a devotee meets... He wants that person to become his his everlasting friend. He wants him to go throughout his life with him. Those persons that maybe we've had a little influence on and have helped to come into the contact with other devotees and maybe even their own spiritual master, then we don't necessarily give up those persons' association, even though there might be some distance between us even though we might not be of the same kind of mindset that those persons are, such that we would never be their constant companions, in other words, buddy. We don't really expect uh, that out of, out of most people. But in the spiritual association, there are people that we have been friends with perhaps for years or maybe decades, and and uh, we we never want to think about giving up the company of those people. So in spiritual life, it's different from that in material life in that that kind of association is very desirable in spiritual life. Uh, and the kind of persons that we deal with, uh, we would expect them to have, have started gathering all the good qualities of a person like Srila Prabhupada who has come to show us what persons are like in, spiritual, in the spiritual world. So kind, so generous, and so willing to give up his entire life to help persons like us uh, come back into the spiritual world at the end of this life. So these are some of the differences then 
between the material world and the spiritual world that we've been talking about today. And we would, we would hope and pray for everybody who is hearing this message that you eventually find yourself a group of people who are spiritual in nature, who have spiritual ac- uh, uh, aspirations, and who want to the same thing that you want, and that is to be eternally happy and not to have to keep bouncing back and forth between happiness and distress, uh, kind of like a yo-yo going up and down. Sometimes we're up and sometimes we're down. Then we're back up and then we're back down. And it seems like that's an ever-ending, non-ending cycle, ever-existing cycle for us in this material world. But if we go back into the spiritual world, then we expect to see the kinds of things that we're seeing in the devotees, devotees that we're associated with in this world. Hare Krishna. So with that, we'll end and ask if there are any questions that would like to be posed. Yes, Prabhu. Now, I'm going to have to ask you to come up here and speak on the microphone, unless there's a microphone. Is there a microphone close at hand? No. So, I've, I've, I've listened to classes also, and I recognize that whenever we have questions and answers at the end of a class, everybody wants to hear the question or the comment that is being posed by the, someone else. So, please, introduce yourself to everyone and, and state your question or your or your uh, your um, uh, your, yeah, in, any kind, anything that you have to say about it. Hi, Krishna. My name is Nitai Chiran Das. I'm from the Philippines. I'm here visiting for several months. And um, that was a really wonderful lecture, Prue. And you said that we can either focus on the good or we can focus on the bad. And... Um, Yes, it's it's here in the temple. Everything is spiritual, but at the same time, we ourselves—I mean, we are, we are spiritual ourselves, but we are still in these material bodies, and we possess both spiritual and material characteristics. And sometimes the material characteristics can overcome our spiritual characteristics, and conflicts arise, and things like that. Uh, that doesn't seem to be so spiritual. And um, so how do we overcome those conflicts and how do we become, uh, how do we see good when those kind of things arise? Thank you very much. And thank you for being here with us, re- representing. And we have other people who, who have come from the Philippines here in our community, so it's very nice to have you come and be with us. So how, how, to, how to overcome the conflicts that we often have with other individuals, especially uh, we're concerned with that in, in our devotional community, because we know that criticizing other persons, finding the faults, is, is something that can uh, destroy our, whatever progress we've made in our Krishna consciousness. You've, you, many of us have heard the term before, the mad elephant offense. And that is just as a mad elephant goes into a beautiful garden and just wreck, wreaks havoc on the garden and tears it to pieces. So that a similar thing happens whenever we start finding fault with others. Uh, that our, our spiritual life then is greatly affected by that. 
because we're not supposed to be finding fault. We're supposed to be like honeybees that look for the nectar and not like the flies that look for the sore. And so uh, if, if we really want to become uh, spiritualized first, we realize that other person's faults that we record, that we see, you know, and that we experience, especially when it's in relationship to ourselves, those those faults we see, they're 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 coming because of a, a certain amount of ignorance that maybe that other person has, or maybe that that person is going through some phase of his life that is causing him all kinds of disturbance mentally and maybe even physically. And so when a person acts to us in a way that we don't expect a devotee to act to anyone, then uh, we need to somehow or other back away from it in our consciousness and instead of instead of reacting to what comes out of that person's mouth or, or the the physical uh, physical actions that might be taken by that person, even against us, uh, we need to recognize that this isn't the normal state for this person. There is something that is is really bothering this person that is causing him to have difficulty with not only me, perhaps, but with many people in the community of devotees. And so instead of feeling that, well, we just need to get that person out of here. We need to get rid of that person. You know, somebody get get the temple council together to vote that person out of the community. So instead of doing like that, uh, I mean, it may come to that point. And sometimes the temple council, the temple president, does have to ask someone, please just leave the, the temple for a period of time. It's not like you have to stay away forever and ever. But right now, there's just too much friction between you and the other devotees. So we're going to have to ask you to please leave the temple community and don't come back for a period of time. And sometimes that happens. Uh, but that's the authorities of the temple who have to make decisions like that. For those of us who don't have a position of authority, who are expected to correct the wrongs of a community, if we're not in that position, then best that we try to be as as accommodating as we can to other people and think about, you know, this person is maybe like I was, you know, 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And when when I was just new to Krishna consciousness, new coming into Krishna consciousness, and this person is maybe is is maybe come from a very difficult background, whereas the background I came from was almost idyllic. It was almost like the, being in the spiritual world in ways. And so, if that other person has not had such good fortune to be brought up in the situation that we have. Then we have to we we should look with some compassion on that person and thinking that that this isn't necessarily the way this person is going to be forever and ever. We don't we, that person does not have to be that way, and with enough loving care, that person can possibly be brought to the point of being one of the best, most 
honorable, most compassionate devotees in our entire community. And there have been persons that have gone through changes like that. They start off, you know, you read some of the early descriptions of disciples of Srila Prabhupada, and there were mistakes that were made. Here in the Dallas community, when we had our international school first begun in the early 1970s, there were a lot of people who came in here who were coming from, they were bringing all of their material baggage with them. And so whenever that happens, then you're going to have somebody that's going to be hurt. And a lot of our young people, the kids that were sent here to go to our international school that Srila Prabhupada wanted us to establish, those some of those kids were hurt. And, and because of that, then our society later on, after the people who had caused the damage had already left and gone away, then that that le- that left it to the rest of us then to try to correct the problem that had been done so many years before 1970s you know that's a long time ago but, uh, and so we we see that in this community then that when people bring their baggage with them you know the, all of the stuff that they've learned and the way the way of acting that they've learned when they bring that into the community, there's necessarily going to be conflicts. And all of us come, most of us, I should say, not all of us. Maybe there have been some that have come that have been very pure-hearted from the very beginning. But for those of us who were not brought up in a very pure-hearted way, we have faults, other people have faults, and then we're going to collide and clash. But they, just as it is said that uh, uh, stones, stones that you pick up from along the riverbank, you know, maybe they've got some sharp edges on them. And if you, if you get a big bag of those stones and put them together and put them into a certain kind of machine, it agitates and rotates all those stones so that they're crashing against each other in the machine. And if you leave them there for a while and then open the machine up, you look in the stones, the stones have lost a lot of those edges that they had. And they've become smooth and they become beautiful. And that's very much the way devotees are. It takes a while of rubbing against other devotees, you know, not physically, of course, but rubbing against their personalities and, and all the stuff that they brought with them into the community. And by simply learning to tolerate those those qualities that don't necessarily last forever. They just last for a period of time. If you can just get through this one altercation that you're having with a devotee, it could be that it, you won't have such an altercation again in your lifetime. Or it could be that you will have it again with the same person or with somebody else. And if you think about this, this is just Krishna's way of putting me into contact with someone who can help me see my own faults and help me overcome my own faults. If you look at it like that, that this person is just the agent that is sent by the Supreme Lord to help me to try to advance to a little bit more uh, positive level, a more uh, um, uh, one in which I'm, I'm not so abrasive to other people that I come into contact with. But more, it's more like coming into contact with a smooth stone. It's nice to hold in your hand and to feel the surface and to look at it and see the colors that might be in it and see that, you know, the, it's, uh, uh, anyhow, it's a very, it can be a very beautiful thing. 
especially with the rare stones like the rubies and the emeralds and the diamonds. Those are very beautiful things to look at, but at one point in time, they were just, they were just a lump of something. And they had to, they had to go through the process of polishing and cutting and putting in a nice setting, like you take a beautiful emerald or something, putting it in a, in a nice gold setting and on with a chain, you hang it around your neck and then everybody just loves to look at it. And so we can become people like that. We can become devotees who are, are really desirable and, and we want that not on, not just for our own popularity. Uh, not so that people will, you know, will hear it maybe from a third party that someone else said, you're such a really nice devotee. <laughs> of course, those, the, that kind, those kinds of words then are very pleasing to us, and we're pleased to hear them. But we should be pleased to know that we have helped somebody uh, to become a better devotee and and uh, in the in the process, we ourselves are are getting trained uh, to become better better devotees ourselves. So compassion, tolerance, uh, uh, willing to see the faults in ourselves before we see the faults in other people. Those are qualities that a devotee is trying to develop. So that's a very nice question to ask. Thank you very much for that. Anything else? Yeah. Well, I think we should go now and honor the Lord's prasadam. Um, we, we're just a couple of days away now from uh, our big festival of the year, Krishna Janmashtami. And we're hoping that everybody who is listening in can uh, please make plans to come sometime on Friday uh, for Krishna Janmashtami and stay with us until midnight if you can. And, of course, every, uh, devotees in the community here, are encouraged to uh, maintain a fast all day long. Uh, this is this is hard on the body, hard for the mind, you know, to wrap itself around fasting, or for many people, myself included. But uh, the feeling that you get at the end of the day is, oh, finally I'm able to make it to the end of the day without eating anything. Thank you, Krishna. And then you look at the beautiful deities in their new dress uh, that at midnight. And then take part in the in the kirtan. Take part in the in the uh, little light prasadam that comes generally here after after we fasted all day. So it's a wonderful opportunity to come and be with the devotees in a in a situation in which there won't be so much of this disturbance called caused by people who are very envious of others. It's a wonderful time to come. And then on Saturday morning. Uh, we will again fast uh, from uh, foods, foodstuffs, uh, for in in uh, recognition of the appearance on the planet of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivinoda Swami Prabhupada, <clears throat> and we'll take part again in that festival until noon or shortly thereafter, and and then we'll have a, a really nice big feast uh, to celebrate Prabhupada's appearance into this material world. So devotees have so many nice occasions during the year to celebrate or to perform some austerity like fasting for half day or for until until dusk or uh, fasting until midnight as we do on Krishna Janmashtami. It's a very good opportunity for everybody to come. So uh, everybody's listening in. We hope you have a wonderful day. 
that you take the opportunity to chant a little bit, if you can, to read something about the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and to treat your fellow uh, workers, your fellow associates, with a great deal of respect and kindness. And they'll see that, and they'll appreciate that in you, and they'll begin to ask nice questions. That usually happens. And they'll find out about you, and who knows, maybe one of these days... You see that person walking in the door of the temple room with a doti on or with a with a sari on. And you'll think, wow, all of this just because I spoke a few nice words to that person? How wonderful. That's the way I came, as a matter of fact. So we uh, offer our obeisances to all the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord who just like desire trees, who fulfill the desires of everyone and who are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Shri Shri Radha Kalachanjidam ki jai, Nittai Gora Premananda, Hari Hari Bo. Have a great day everyone. Hari Krishna.